Welcome to the first episode of Pedagogy Matters. Um, within this podcast, we'll be really exploring snippets of pedagogy, what it means in practice for an FE lecturer, and then how we incorporate this into our practice in both face-to-face, but predominantly within our online delivery right now, 10 months into a pandemic. Uh, I'm delighted to be welcomed to or joined today by Mickey Riddell. So Mickey Riddell is an individual who's been in the sector for 17 years um, across a variety of colleges and his current role is Head of Teaching and Learning Assessment at Joseph Chamberlain Sixth Form College. So Mickey, welcome. How are you? I'm very well. How are you, sir? Yes, great. Thank you. You know, great. How have you adapted to the to the online way of working? How's that gone for you? Yeah, we've done all right at our, uh, our college. Um, so we, we've managed to um, kind of... S- uh, we went to kind of half timetable, so uh, half class in, uh, half class learning online. So we started that from uh, September, and uh, it's worked okay. Um, but I miss the classroom. <laughs> yeah. I miss being in front of the students because uh, you, you pick up so much more uh, the kind of um, unconscious cues of kind of understanding, getting knowledge, and you, you can pick up so much more. Uh, rather than just looking at kind of blank squares with initials on the, on Teams or Zoom or, or Google Meets and stuff. So it's been tough, but um, we're probably two, three weeks behind on the curriculum. Okay. Um, so not too bad, but I, I'd say a lot of that is because uh, we had a lot of review time, um, ironically, retrieval practice, <laughs> um, which we're going to talk about today. So every Monday was essentially a, a kind of week of retrieval practice. Um uh going through any misconceptions and kind of really trying to build out their knowledge so uh, it's, it's been good oh fantastic that's really interesting that's a nice segue really into in, into today's topic you know so we're going to talk around retrieval practice and, and, and try and really break down what it what it means in layman's terms so yeah mickey over to you so retrieval practice what does it mean to you or, or kind of what's your views around it okay so um essentially uh, retrieval practices um practice bringing information to mind uh, into the working memory, the the now, so the students can then use that and apply that to even new knowledge or, or an application in what they kind of do. Um, and that's a kind of definition from the Learning Scientists, which is an excellent kind of website uh, with lots of free material on there uh, if you wish to kind of go there. So in, I think how we, we should break this down um, we'll first talk about kind of memory uh, very briefly, talk about the forgetting curve talk about kind of different ways of retrieval practice um, and then talk about kind of theories or, or possible ways of doing it online if you're happy with that. No, that sounds fantastic. So memory, I yeah. guess we'll break it down into kind of working memory or short-term memory and long-term memory. So I, I guess in your view, what's meant by those terms and what are the key bits we should be aware of or kind of know in relation to those types of memory? So essentially the working memory is your, your kind of conscious thought right now. Um, and as we know, we, we can only really focus on very small amounts of information yeah. um, in terms of the working memory. Uh, but the more uh, advanced you become in, in a practice or doing something, a lot of it becomes kind of unconscious. Uh, so, so take driving a car, for example. When you first start to drive a car, the working memory is overloaded. You're driving down a road. You've got all the road signs. You've got all the uh, passengers. Uh, you've got the other cars. You've got people, the pedestrians. Um, your working memory is overloaded. And then you try and change the gear, but you forget how to do it because 
you're then consciously trying to remember, right, what do I need to do with the clutch and the gears and everything else? So yeah. when we become um, more advanced at it, we've built up a schema for the kind of basics, we can drive down a road and, and we can forget about changing gear, the revs of the engine, because we're aware of that um, because we're, we're used to it. We have that knowledge. So we don't have to think about and, and use working memory too much. And then working memory, just jumping on that. So typically, there's obviously different bits of research out there, lasts for around 30 seconds. Is that right, the bit of information? Took around 30 seconds. And again, different bits of research conflict, but I think the average is around five to eight different bits of information there. So within the, the driving a car analogy, whether that's passengers, indicator, speed, gears, brakes and pedals you know so you're trying to juggle all these bits of information oh definitely um yeah it's almost that um what was that kind of old quiz show uh where you had the the fluffy bear generation game well, that's it yeah i thought i knew you'd remember that uh, a bit a bit after me <laughs> See, I, i'm a bit younger than you make it, but anyway let's go on from that let's, let's move um, on swiftly uh well they had 20 items and they, they always struggle to remember um but i think it's we've kind of evolved on now it's essentially we've got kind of like four blocks, uh, and this is uh, Oli Caviali, um, uh, kind of, he's done a lot of research into this. So we've got one block which we need to actually compute and, and do something with it, and then we've got kind of three other blocks. Um, and, and what he's saying is there's, there's a lot of things about working memory and kind of visual yep. and auditory loops, um, and kind of what that means, and that, that's going to kind of dual coding information, yep to try and support them, uh, which is a, another whole kind of podcast. Absolutely, yeah, it is actually, um, ironically. Uh, but, but essentially, uh, the working memory, it doesn't last long. You've got to keep the attention. But the the thing that we need to know about educators is uh, the environment out there have got lots of different things that they could focus their attention on. Yeah. So our job should be to keep it short, keep it simple, keep it clear um, for that attention. Um, so That's the idea fun. being... We're really trying to kind of focus their minds on onto one topic, one issue. Um, so what we want to do is to avoid something called cognitive overload. So essentially that's giving too much information, just like the analogy of driving down the road, there's too much going on. So uh, it could be, for example, you've got a, a diagram and then you've got a footnote with all the, the keys on it. So that splits attention because they've got to move their eyes from one to the other. Yeah. So the idea being is, if it's that important to have the label there, put the label next to whatever it is. Keep it nice and concise. If it's not, then it's redundant because the mind's splitting the attention to it. So really try and kind of work to keep things concise, chunked, and cut. That sounds great. And I just kind of summarize the key concepts there. You know, short-term work memory, and the key bit is to encode this information into long-term memory. Definitely. You touched on a really interesting word there in terms of schema. So again, schema, what's that, Mickey? What do I mean by that? Okay, so schema. Um, think about when you uh, see children when they start to learn to walk. There's lots of things that are happening for you to learn to walk. Yeah. Uh, same way driving a car. Uh, but another analogy is, is it's like a kind of um, a new housing development where there's couple of random houses have been kind of uh the footings have been laid out maybe a couple of houses to start the, the kind of first floor has been built um and you've got these random bits of information about and then there's kind of these gravelly tracks which are going between them so the idea of that is it's new new memory new knowledge yeah 
you've got these kind of tenuous links for the, the student, so they, they can kind of see, but it hasn't been kind of embedded. But the more you keep um, building it and yeah. adding things to it, i.e. knowledge and, and links with it, then the more that the, the gravel tracks get turned into um, kind of nice, beautiful tarmac. Oh, wow. So it becomes um, really ingrained and there's a real solid link between those two uh, topics, items, whatever it might be. And then, and then that, that, that first part of the schema, um, it could be how to, how to use tools, uh, how to kind of uh, hold a trowel, for example. Uh, it could be how to use a screwdriver, battery gun, saw. Then you add that building development into the next phase. So you then start to build up some, uh, right, now this is how to use uh, different types of saws. So you've got the basics, now the different types of saws. And then you start to build out on the housing development. You just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And the more you practice, the more the roads go from gravel to kind of tarmac. No, I think that's a fantastic analogy. Another way of looking at there is, you know, once those links have been tarmacked, you know, let, let's coin that phrase right now. Once those once those links have been tarmacked, that's then effectively the learner's ability to apply that skills or those skills rather or that knowledge in different contexts. They're confident Definitely. that they're competent and they can apply that. So Definitely. Kind of, Definitely. summarizing this back to, to kind of initially initial conversations, what we can't do is put some information in the short-term memory initially, encode that into the long-term memory, being mindful of that overload and providing too much information, but then really developing those links for learners to master that knowledge and those skills. Definitely, and, and, and give them time to practice. I think that's the, the kind of key thing. Um, <laughs> but for them to practice, they need the right information to mind at that point in time. And that's where retrieval practice comes in. So... Um, the kind of second part of the memory is the forgetting curve. So okay. students forgetting information is a good thing. Um, so they have to forget things because to, to get better links, the tarmac roads, the students need to forgotten it. They need to work hard to go and retrieve it to kind of get that tarmac laid on there. Um, so um, you've got Ebbinghaus's forgetting curve from 1885. Uh, which basically describes a decrease in the ability of the brain to retain memory over time. So essentially what, what he suggests is um, after 20 minutes of knowledge, information being given to a student, that knowledge will go down to 60% memory retention. Yeah. After one day, it can go down to 45% memory retention. After 30 days, it can go down to 25% memory retention so after 20 minutes in your lesson they've already lost 40 percent of the information knowledge you've kind of uh, spoken to them about that's a really interesting point then especially when you obviously look at that over time you know at a significant loss of learning or loss of knowledge within a month hence, absolutely hence the need for for the kind of the retrieval practice and i think this is a point where you know I've worked with lecturers before, Mick, and I'm sure you have. They kind of say a term like retrieval practice, you know, and straight away that, that kind of puts them off. You know, I'm going to say it's a sciencey word. You know, whether well, that's a kind of right thing to say or not. But I think it's really useful to kind of really break us down. It's just practicing retrieving that information, practice bringing that information to mind, is what you said before. 
Absolutely. That's Absolutely. all it is. So, yeah. So uh, it's, <laughs> it's the same way um, any lecturer in any subject, you, you have six weeks off and you've not picked up the tools. Yeah. Are you brilliant at it first time? If you're a novice, probably not. The more experienced you are, the, you might kind of start to remember what you're doing. All it is is just keep practicing. It's like the old right make analogy. It's exactly what it is. Ab- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, at first you might be a bit shaky, but uh, the more you've built up those um, the, the kind of foundations in the long-term memory with the tarmac in, the easier it will to kind of pick it up. Um, I, th- I think that's great. I think, so there, we've, we've now got the kind of the signs behind it in terms of the memory and so on and so forth and why it's important to kind of start to look back. So I guess the next bit now is kind of what are the key principles when implementing ritual practice? Kind of how do we do it? Okay. Uh, so initially you've got a uh, start of lessons is um, checking knowledge, checking uh, understanding. So that could be simple Q&A. It could be uh, using mini whiteboards, for example. Uh, there's lots of ways of doing it. Um, just while we're at it, let's, let's throw in a couple of other uh, scientific terms as well. So you've got yeah. something called space practice. So essentially space practice means you should uh, be checking knowledge and learning over or from a period of time. So, for example, uh, all of my quizzes that I set and all the ones that I suggest for my kind of staff is um, have some questions on the previous day, have some questions from the previous week's topic, have some questions on the previous month's topic. If you do that at the start of every lesson, and randomize it um if you build up like a google forms or a microsoft forms or kind of some form of quiz form which is multiple choice this becomes really easy it's not very burdensome but the idea being is don't just check what they did yesterday or earlier in the lesson check what they did last week because remember we want to be building those tarmac in the roads the knowledge the schema between different topics Particularly now when the, the subjects have a lot of um, kind of end of topics, synoptic questions where they're really bringing uh, all of the content into play, uh, where previously it just tend to be kind of uh, yeah, unit blocked. based. Yeah, yeah uh, apprenticeship wise as well, you've got the kind of end of uh, end point assessments where it's kind of you've learned something for a year, two years, now show me. Um, so by, by spacing the practice out and making sure you cover different topics, and that really helps. And the second one as well is kind of uh, interleaving. So this is a little bit more about kind of how we, we teach it in the curriculum delivery. But essentially, a lot of teachers have done it myself as well. There's the spec, right? I'm going to start at the top. I'm going to work my way down to the bottom. Yeah. Um, but the what they suggest then is by the time you get to the bottom, they haven't had enough time to really ingrain that into long-term memory. So I've got the exam in May, and I've only just started teaching in April. I've only had six weeks to try and ingrain this into long-term memory, and it's just not long enough. So rather than thinking about kind of um, delivery pattern of AAA, BBB, CCC, can we split it up? So can we do ABC, CAB, BCA? So we get chunks of different information, and then the students get more time to really encode it in the long-term memory and then practice retrieving it, because that's the key thing. I was going to say, yeah. I think the, the, the key point, there is is then that practicing of the application. It's a practice of oh, absolutely, yeah. In, in, interlinking or interleaving the different bits of knowledge that form a unit, a module, a topic, or even a course, and look at how they link together. Because I've done it before, again, taught a program with 18 units. You do one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah. seven, eight. Yeah. Well, actually, 
there's been some real fantastic work across from the College of Scotland on project-based learning around oh, kind of yeah, throwing yeah. them up in the air, thinking, right, actually, what's a line of best fit here? How do we kind of make a more rounded learner? And that's exactly what it is, you know, and it's about then, as you kind of alluded to with the interleaving, it's about looking at those different blocks of learning and how they link together and, and keep on really just, just quizzing the learners and, and checking and, and drawing out that information from either the short term or long term and ingraining it. Oh, definitely. A couple of kind of analogies you've got there. One is um, take the, the the sports person, footballer, for example. So they don't just spend uh, six weeks working on strength and then nothing else. They don't then yeah. spend six weeks on speed, six weeks on CV. <laughs> they will have kind of uh, majors and minor focuses in those weeks, but they'll still cover strength, speed, CV, technical, tactical stuff in those weeks. Um, and the other analogy as well, it's almost like... Um, uh, and this come from a, an Ofsted inspector, uh, so they do say some useful things, um, which was looking at the curriculum is essentially like a, um, a, uh, a TV series where you've got lots of intertwined plots coming along, yeah. but by the time you get to the end, it all kind of makes sense. Yeah. So that's how we really should be kind of teaching is like how all these plot lines coming together, how do these characters all interlink? And then as the further you get into the curriculum, the term towards the end, it all starts to make sense. And the, and the kind of overview, like you say now about the kind of project base, really kind of becomes clear. So, um, no, no, I think you're right there. It's interesting that you picked up on a couple of different methods there. And, and again, I think the key bit, and this isn't criticism of teachers, teachers often want the answer. So this is what it is. How do I do it? Well, actually, one, for listeners in particular, you're probably doing it already. You know, so reflect yeah, yeah. on your current practice and where you're doing this. And the next step is then I think, actually, how can I do it in a more of a conscious way? And then yeah. what are you doing with that information? You know, because for Absolutely. example, th things like Microsoft Forms, Kahoot, Socrative, and, and all the different quizzing tools are fantastic. But I've seen many teachers, I've done my quiz, that's me done. Well, actually, no, it's more than that. It's how you're going to retain that with, with students. So I guess where I'm going with this is what are the different methods or different examples of of tools of doing this that you've seen done well, Mickey, or can any other bits of advice there? Uh, I, I, exactly what you said there is, is number one is um, if you're going to ask a question, what are you going to do with the answer? Yeah. If you're going to do nothing with the answer, then don't bother asking the question because it's just redundant. Um, so the idea of doing this is to either confirm they know what they're doing so you can progress on or to um, Check for misunderstandings or misconceptions, which particularly at the start of learning with novices, um, you can get a, um, kind of some blurry lines where they think they've made some links, yeah. uh, but they're, they're kind of incorrect. So you need to then spend that time because the longer they, they think that's correct, the longer it's in the long-term memory. The turn, yeah. So the quicker we can um, affect change and kind of... Uh, get in there and say well actually now this is what i can see where you're coming from but this is why x and y is important versus what you're you're kind of telling me so uh, that's number one so uh essentially retrieval practice shouldn't be too burdensome for the yep. teacher um it should involve everyone uh, so kind of single q and a's um take too long so by the time you get around uh 10 15 20 25 people you've probably forgotten what, what's going on and a lot of yeah. people sat there not knowing what's going on. So uh, think about kind of quick fire quizzes, uh, which could be teacher paced. It could be multiple choice questions on a board. Uh, it could be using forms or whatever it might be, or uh, kind of quizlets quite good. Yeah. Um, but you've got to do and give that immediate feedback. So, uh, right, 
five of you out of 15 thought this was the answer. Why was that? So you need to go to a next level. So it's not just surface level knowledge. You yeah. want to check the understanding. So uh, Tom Sheraton talks a lot about this uh, in some of his talks um, is you want to get into the thought process of the student, not the answer. So even if they're correct, it might be worth asking. So, so how have you got to that answer? Yeah. Talk me through that. It's like the old maths problem, isn't it? And I'm, I'm sure like many others, I've been doing homeschooling with my, with my daughter. They get the answer, great. <laughs> How have you got there? Right? Is it the right okay. method or is it a bit of a guess? So no, I think that, that, that's really interesting and fundamental point there. And, and the key bit you mentioned about going back and correcting it, you know, going back to the memory site, am I right? I think the term there is kind of re-encoding. You know, so you're going, you're going and correcting it, and then effectively trying to re-encode that information into long-term yeah, memory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we've all got habits. Um, yep. Particularly the, the older we get, um, and we're uh, you'll always go back to your innate habits. Um, so all we're trying to do is trying to break habits um, and we're trying to stop habits from forming. That's the kind of key thing. And the key bit there is in order to do that, you've got to know about the habits. You've got to know about absolutely. the reasons, the understanding, the rationale. So yeah, again, absolutely. You know, obviously, I'm not going to say actually unconsciously, we haven't talked about how you do this in a remote world. And I think I'm not sure what your views are, but may not. Well, actually, it's the same as you do in the face to face world. You know, you yeah. have your question, your quizzes, <laughs> there's many different tools out there whether it could simply be create a, man, a mind map, write it down, yeah, yeah. you know, write down what you know, create a mind map and start forming those things. So again, Absolutely. for listeners, and and I know, again, there's a perception of we've got to use technology, we've got to use these different methods. Absolutely not. But in the same breath, as a, as a lecturer, as a teacher, it can save you a hell of a lot of time if you become more fair with some of the technological self-marking tools because then it can be really efficient, as you alluded to there, which is one of your key points. Absolutely, and also within there, you can um, uh, you can add in, uh, particularly on Google Forms, because we use Google quite a lot. Um, you can add in correct answer. Well done, you've got it right. Check this link just to confirm if yeah. you want to. But also in the um, the the kind of wrong answers, you can put yeah, this is a common misconception because um, we don't use a fifty-fifty sand and cement mix in this scenario yeah. because of this. So you can kind of add in that little bit extra and. And the key thing about it, yeah, there's a lot of work up front-ish um, compared to normal, but it's always there. So I've created banks of quizzes and questions that I keep going back to now that I created them 10, 15 years ago. Because um, exactly what it is. Yeah, it's the same knowledge, the, the same skills. The content doesn't change much um, yeah. when you're asking the kind of basics. So um, I'll give you a couple more as well. Um, Fantastic. You've got kind of self-check quizzing. Uh, which could be right that this is a diagram label it uh, so give them five minutes and then kind of you take a picture of it and upload it um, or it could be um, just upload the work and then you can kind of share that amongst everyone uh, or definitions write down some definitions yeah. so the idea being behind that is is they've got a, a kind of blank template they, they've got to start applying their their knowledge then obviously thinking about a vocational world uh, demonstrate or perform it just show me, do it. Um, there's a plug, rewire it, or there's this, have a go at it. Um, right, you've got these tools, how are you going to build this? Yeah. Um, which is which is brilliant for them. Uh, or it could be that kind of uh, reductionist. Okay, there's a there's a row of tools here, which one are you missing for this job? Yeah, so you then going up into the understanding. So, right, knowledge is, right, I need a hammer, I need bolster, I need chisel, I need this, I need that. 
But okay, right, I've taken two things out. What what two other things, tools would you use for this job to kind of finish it off? Um, yeah. So that's kind of higher order stuff. But then that's where you're hoping that the schema, their knowledge, that housing estate has already been kind of developed. And all you're doing is really kind of um, concreting over cementing, uh, sorry, tarmacking uh, those roads. <laughs> I'm making sure they're solid. Um, no, 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 that's absolutely right. That's what you got to do. <laughs> and then uh, two others is uh, summarize, which I love to use uh, myself. So either, um, so how we develop at college, uh, we use lots of workbooks. So we have kind of topic workbooks and they've been absolutely superb. So when you talk about earlier about distance learning, yeah, all the workbooks were kind of written and developed and workbooks, yeah, once again, they do take time, but all they are just a collection of worksheets that I've developed over time. And in the, in those work packs, I I put retrieval practice in there. It could be multiple choice questions. It could be uh, short answer questions. In class, I can just walk around and have a quick look. Um, but also, I have these little summary boxes. Um, so I'm teaching nutrition at the moment. Right, we've gone through carbohydrates, all the science behind it, benefits, etc. Right now, let's write a good four or five paragraph summary. Um, so it then starts to bring it all together, and they've got to then go back and start looking at all of the key info. Um, so writing summaries is very good. I know on um, on Teams and on Google Classroom, you've got those little kind of um, uh, question uh, sections where all students can write a, a paragraph and yeah. everyone else can kind of read it. Um, and then there's another little check for you. So right, uh, get them to do that at the end of a lesson. Start the next lesson. Right, I want you to read this one. What's wrong with it? What's right with it? And then give some feedback. So then you you're starting to kind of get a bit of peer review in there as well. Yeah. No, no, I think that's really interesting there. And I think what I'm surmising, again, from, from aspects you're saying, a fundamental part within all of these is routine. You know, build whatever method you apply, whatever Absolutely. method you choose, just yeah. in your routine, whether that be the first five minutes of every lesson or the last five minutes of every lesson, or however you wish to do it or whatever method you choose, whether it's quizzes, paper-based or anything else, it's just a routine. It's a habit. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. So, again, as a, as a lecturer, as a teacher, just build this in, in, into your routine when delivering with your students and, again, get them in the habit of, of going through this process. And if you are doing it, great. Just make sure it's in a conscious decision from yourself and your learners and kind of that awareness. Absolutely. Uh, you come to every one of my classes and it will be the same structure for all of it. There's no fancy gimmicks. They come in, they get their work packs out. We'll be doing a quiz or some sort of uh, retrieval. Um, so all of my sessions and, and my role, particularly for new teachers, essentially go back to the kind of thirds. So break your lesson down into thirds. First bit is retrieval practice. Yeah. What do you want them to remember or to be knowing about now? Um, because you do your retrieval practice and there might be a lot of misconceptions. So it might take 15, 20 minutes for you to do a little kind of mini reteach. But I want that solid and secure before I can move on. Yeah, if, if there's misconceptions... Um, then there's no point moving on because all I'm doing is just kind of um, putting more bricks on a, a wobbly foundation. Yeah. There you go. There's another building little analogy for you. There's a bit of, a, bit of uh, a theme in this podcast, isn't there, Mickey? I know, I know. <laughs> um, and then uh, the next part is new knowledge. How am I going to get information across? How do I do that? And then the final part is that kind of, well, what are we going to do with it? How are we then either going to make links? Um, we're going to apply it to something. We're going to do something with it. So every, one, every lesson is basically three, three blocks. Um, and no, I think I'll tell you now, we have our lessons, so um, it kind of fits nicely. And obviously, it's fluid. It might be, a, right, they've all got it. Right, that was five minutes. Right, let's crack onto the new knowledge. Or we can spend longer at the end kind of in the application of it. So um, and then the final one out of five is um, 
you could I like to just start a kind of topics is right, write down everything you know. Yeah. It's a massive sheet of paper. Um particularly when uh, we get them from school and it's like, oh, they didn't teach you much science in school, did they? But again, that's useful for you as a, as a teacher or lecturer as to what you're working with. You know, you've, got oh, no, you've got no starting points and then you can build that in from there and you can add the retrieval and the different blocks of learning and, and so on Absolutely. and so forth there as well. And, and, I think then, another... and, and also do the same at the end of topics. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then what I want them to do is to actually um, – We've got schemas in our head as teachers, so we know the links, uh, yeah. and it's not visual to them. So what I want them to do is to show me what links have they made. Yeah. So write down the the kind of almost like a spider diagram, um, all these different uh, links between different topics. Right. So how does that link with that? And then get them to write down what the links are, and that really gets to show the understanding and their longer-term memory, um, and they basically visualize their schema, and then we can start to work with that as well. No, that sounds fantastic. Another point I've picked up there, actually, is a lot of what you're talking about is you're applying it to their vocation. You know, again, yeah. it, it, it's not a conscious thing. It's just it, it's how it should be. And that's absolutely right. You know, so all these key points to try and ingrain in long-term memory, to try and keep the engagement of our learners, is all of these elements are linked to how they're going to use it in practice in, in, in the real world, whether that be an oh, apprenticeship definitely. or a job or career. You know, so again, I think that's something that is either taken for granted. Again, we either do it without realising or maybe in some cases we don't do it as well as we could do. And that's just, it's, it's really important to kind of make that second nature and what we do there as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, and you, you want them to be confident in their own knowledge. And and what I found is, and I, I tell the students at the start uh, when I first see them, says, I'm going to be quizzing you every lesson and it's going to be relentless. Yeah. Sometimes you ain't going to know the answer. That's fine. Absolutely. But, we're going to get there, but there's kind of no, there's no opt out. You will get a question or you're going to have to summarize something for me. Um, and they get such into the habit of it. Um, by the time we get to the kind of the, the assessments and they're so confident in yeah. all the different kind of um, subjects, topics that we've covered. And that comes back to the routines, doesn't it? It comes back to the routines. So conscious time making, I think, again, we can talk all day about this, but it's been some really, really fantastic points. I think what I'd be keen for you to really focus on is, is kind of what – either summarize what we've talked about, summarize some of the fundamentals within, I'm going to say 10 seconds, you know, so or, or what are the, what is retrieval practice to you? What does it mean in, in simple okay. terms? So retrieval practice is, is bringing to the conscious mind uh, information that you want to work with there and then. Um, and the key thing about it is to making sure that knowledge or information is, is correct and is secure in the mind of the, the learner. If it's not, our teacher role is to correct it before we can move on. Fantastic. Not quite the 10 seconds, but I'll let you off. Well, I, I didn't well, say the clock, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mickey, that's been absolutely fantastic. It's really interesting to talk to you. And obviously, it's a topic that you're very passionate about. But I think it, it's really clear that it's a fundamental impact of what we do as learning professionals with our students to try and help them retain this information, help them know more, help them apply it, and help them kind of become really effective within the application of, of this knowledge and these skills. Oh, absolutely. And there's lots of, uh, there's loads of information out there, which is really um, readily available and, and really easy to read as well. So thankfully there's people out there who've taken all the, the science and put it into a kind of one page information sheet. So um, I'm sure you, you'll link to them, the learning scientists, Tom yeah. Sherrington, Rosenshine, Nuttall, Lovell, et cetera. Um, so yeah, the, the real kind of one page infographics to help us because I get it bricklayers don't want to be reading kind of seminal papers but 
Well, some do. Eh? That's, not, that's not being too stereotypical there. Oh, all right. Most sport teachers. Yeah. Most sport teachers maybe don't. But no, I, I would totally agree. But I think, I think there's some, some really interesting points there that actually this isn't a new concept. You know, you, you talk about oh, the curve from, from 18, 1880s. You know, yeah. so it's nothing new. It's just an yeah, acknowledgement absolutely. around the importance of this within our practice. And and I think you, you mentioned it as well. And the one thing, we got some technology that can help us out with it. So uh, multiple choice quizzes, you write them once, you can always go back to them. No, fantastic. Mickey, thank you very, very much for your time. It's been a no pleasure worries. as always. Good luck. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Mickey. Ta-da.